Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Nature Jobs podcast. I'm Julie Gould. In this month's podcast, we're talking science and food. We're speaking to two researchers who mix their love for science with their love for food to carve out very unique careers for themselves. One travelled home to Colombia after doing a life science postdoc in Germany to work in viticulture. Since I like wine, since I'm a scientist, so I'm very curious about getting all the details, all the facts right about the wine I'm drinking. And the other quit a neuroscience PhD in Israel to become a baker in London. I don't know, that work is amazing for some people and it was so clear that it wasn't for me. We've heard it on the podcast many times and in many different forms. But basically, the message is that when you love what you do and you are passionate about it, then you'll be happier and more successful for it. Now, this is appropriate and applicable to any career path that you choose, whether it is an academic one or it isn't. And I'm really, really pleased to share these two stories with you because these are two stories of people who have decided that an academic career isn't what was making them happy. And although they loved the science and they loved learning, it wasn't what was really making them tick. So we're first speaking to a guy called Ricardo Wilches, who loves wine. Then again, who doesn't? But he took it a little bit further. Just over a year ago, he decided to move back to his home country, Colombia, after finishing a postdoc in Germany. And he started a business called Vinicultura. He left his academic research and now runs this business that imports, markets, transfers knowledge and encourages dialogue about different wines. And I actually was quite curious to find out how one gets into this sort of work. Well, I'm sure that there are many, many scientists out there who will say that they also enjoy a glass of wine. But I think you're the first one I've spoken to that has actually taken that one step further and has now moved into the viticulture business. So has it been quite a difficult transition moving from academic research as a postdoc to working more on a, the marketing communication side of a viticulture business? It hasn't been as difficult as... I thought because 
I'm pretty much following my gut feeling or what I really like to do. So you end up enjoying what you do. You do sometimes means time, but you can put all these details or all these uh, skills of science into what you're doing now. So, so it's actually another way to, to, to set a career path. And, and as you see that your company is growing and what you're doing is, is getting profitable, little by little, there is, there is also a reward. And you say, well, there is a career on this. And there is a path on this. You, you can, there is a path on this. So you can always bring your skills as a scientist into this. And, and interestingly, you're not, because of your experience, because of your connections, because uh, I did my, my bachelor's here in Colombia, so, so, so thanks to these connections that I had in the past that I was managed to culture or cultivate through time, I always go back to serve academia in, in, in different ways. So, uh, so the challenge now that I'm doing, that I'm doing, that I'm in the wine business and, uh, and, 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 and helping scientists to communicate is to fusion or, or to do something with, the two, with these two things together. And that's actually the, the challenge that would actually uh, help me or, or allow me to be a scientist and an entrepreneur at the same time. And that's what I'm working on currently. So out of curiosity then, is any of your work in the viticulture business, uh, is it scientific? Are you doing any research on wines? Currently, no, but there's a new field on, on, on wine production. It's called tropical viticulture or tropical enology. So Colombia, there is a bunch of producers, crazy scientists. Actually, one of them is a scientist. Uh, he also worked in, in Germany. 30 years ago, and he moved back to Colombia to start a project on how to make quality wine in Colombia. Uh, so what, what, what I intend to do is to, is to contextualize this whole issue of wine production in Colombia for a society, for a community that is more interested in consuming different types of wine, or, or more wine, actually. Uh, in so doing, I think I may be able to find uh reasons to start some probably some research lines one one of them could be wine economics is is really far from 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 genetics but it's also dealing with science with data and i'm very interested also in um, in working with data and another one that could lead me to research and teaching would be to find a way to help train or educate uh wine business people working in wine business, let's say sommelier, or, uh, or, or, or whoever wants to enter the wine business and provide a little more scientific perspective in what is it what they're selling. Are there many of the skills that you learnt during your time as a researcher that you are able to apply to your work at the moment? And if so, what are they? Certainly, there are, there are plenty of them. One, the first one is communication, telling stories. Uh, and another one is to be more critical and assessing information. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's very important. Another one that, that was actually developed by the end of, of, of my PhD is networking. It's very, very important. Another one that, that is more related to, uh, to personal skills that, that a PhD develops is resilience, persistence, resourcefulness. You're prone to collaborate and to find options, 
creativity. I think this is something that you as a PhD develop. And if you're not, if, if you decide for whatever reason not to be in science or in academia, it's, these are skills that are, be, that are going to be very useful and can be translated to whatever you do. Now, there are many young researchers who feel like, you know, they, they, they feel like they need to have a career path in front of them in order to, to see where they are going and to feel secure about what they are doing. So what do you think when people say that there's no set career path for someone with a PhD in science? If, if, if you get, if you start with a PhD, you're going you're gonna to get like, like blocks, building blocks. And then you can actually build what you what you want to do, or what what, what is it what, what you want to build. But I think the big question would be here: what is it what you were what you really want to do? Thank you to Ricardo Wilches. Now our second story is with someone who took quite a different approach. In 2009, Al Schwartz made the conscious decision not to complete his PhD in Israel. Instead, he received a master's in neuroscience and cognition, moved to London and became a baker. Leaving academia for many can come with lots of emotional baggage, particularly that feeling of guilt, you know, letting down the side, those who support you, letting down yourself and the project that you've committed to. But in Ail's case, he didn't see the point in staying in an environment that didn't suit him. When I started doing the actual research, I realised that being the person that maybe does the research is not for me. I think learning it, you know, when you get a textbook, it's already a summary of like hundreds and hundreds of like research hours and work. But being the person that does the actual work, sitting in the lab, underground, uh, in front of my computer, thinking and modeling and thinking, um, that kind of lifestyle wasn't so much for me and also that world was not so much for me, starting from the actual daily work to the interaction with other academics and conferences, just, no, but I really kind of looked around me, saw the people that were really into it, that were doing amazing, and and you start to realize, well, that, that is the right place for them, and the more I kind of spend time with them, um, and my supervisor and all of them, like, you see, like, this, I don't know, that work is amazing, for some people and it was so clear that it wasn't for me Uh, you know my mom is still doing it and she loves it and she talks with passion in her eyes about what she does the same way that I guess I talk about bread Uh, the reaction that you received when you decided you didn't want to do your PhD very mixed bag of (laughs) reactions I think for me I realized that like if it's not for me it's not for me and I shouldn't be forcing it I think the reason I found myself in the academia is because that's the house that I grew up in. Both parents, especially my mom, she's a professor in the university. So it almost felt like that's the path that you take. And obviously from the same background, that was... Um, the... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
fans weren't that excited. There was more feel, finish what you started, then maybe don't pursue it. But I thought, what's the point of spending another five years finishing it if I already feel that that world is not for me? At the same time as leaving his academic career in Israel, his wife accepted a PhD position in development studies at SOAS University in London. So they packed their bags and moved to a new city. And this can be a very daunting prospect, especially if you've not fully decided on what you want to do or where you want to work. And I guess I wasn't too worried, like, what will I do? I definitely, you know, I learned some things. I had the right background. I I wasn't too worried about finding a job. I was slightly worried what job will that be because I kind of already tested a few things and realized they weren't for me. But... And I kind of assumed um, that once we're here, she's going to be a student. I'll need a real job, um, a trained um, computer science uh, software engineer. That's probably what I'm going to do. I realized I don't necessarily want to do it, but hope I'll find something yeah. interesting. Uh, found a place to, like I thought, okay, I'm not going to worry straight at the beginning. We need to, a place to live. So we ended up by accident kind of finding an apartment in the street uh, without knowing anything about Hackney or that area, but literally on the street of the bakery. Um, started asking some people about work and computer and stuff, and then uh, and then I was walking the street. We I smelled the bread. It was a bakery. I bought a loaf of bread, ate it, realized it was delicious. Came back, chatted with the owner Ben, and then once I met him, I said, "Can I can I help you a little bit? Volunteer and you know learn how to make bread and while I look for a real job." Uh, and he said sure I mean I think he was in a position that any kind of help would be good so joined him and literally I think it took me a few days to realize oh my god this is great and I guess as they say the rest is history it's now eight years later and AL is still a baker still at the same bakery but with a much bigger team he threw himself into it even though he'd never been more than an amateur baker let alone a businessman None of us was a baker, but we were learning what we were doing. We were learning how to work with a wood fire oven, starting to understand how to make consistent results and not very varied. Then, I mean, at the beginning, like we were just paying for flour delivery from money in the pocket, like it was not organized in, in any way. But it was at the same time we realized, okay, we have fluent employees. We need to find a way to register that and started keeping track of invoices so I started to get involved in that like did a little bit of very basic accounting um, a little bit of managing of payrolls the opportunity to be involved in everything kind of that happened from the beginning was amazing and so it, it, it was getting involved in running a business and, and it was great And but the essence of it was making bread but as they say once a scientist always a scientist and it wasn't long before EL had his science hat back on some days it tastes amazing, some days not. And I think that's when I started to really get into, okay, I want to also understand the science behind it. Um, so I don't think I was applying anything from things that I learned, but definitely found something to be yeah, to be curious about and trying to like be methodical of like, okay, I'm going to try to change just variable, one variable and see how it affects and try to understand the effect of all the variables. And um yeah, started reading about the, the pH and the temperature and, and the effect of those and long processes and, and different bacteria that you have in there and different yeast and how do they affect, get affected by everything. And um, yeah, but in no time found myself reading scientific articles and publications 
uh, in that field, which was great. But because it was in the academia, you, you, you know, you could decide to read just a bit of it or get a little bit into it or not. And it was, it was perfect for me. I wanted to know why he thought it was difficult for some people to leave academia and why for him it didn't seem to be. I think people are really afraid to leave something without knowing what they'll do. Like they need that security of like, what am I falling instead? So only they leave after they find something instead. And it's fair enough. But for some reason, I didn't have that fear. I, I was confident that something will come up. I did my bachelor, then I tried some computer science. I'm glad I tried it. I learned things, then realized that that wasn't so for me. So I tried to go for the research area so I went for a PhD realized that wasn't for me so I just thought like I'm just finding my way around until it clicks I mean but work you spend the majority of your time doing that it has to be good like I couldn't handle a job that you just go and it's like oh just doing it because I don't know I need to earn the money or because that's what people do or like I had to find something that I want to do Thank you to Ail Schwartz from the E5 Bakehouse in London. Right, so now we've got a little detour from our normal way of doing things. Every now and again over the next year, we're going to be able to give you a little bit of a, an insight or a sneak preview behind the scenes listen, uh, I guess is one way of saying it, uh, into some of the articles that we're working on at Nature Jobs. So I've got Jack Leeming, our Nature Jobs editor in the studio. Hello. Hello. With Aleshu Bayak. I'm a freelance science journalist and I also teach at Northeastern University in Boston. Now, guys, we've got this piece about science and careers in Chile that we published earlier this year in January. So tell me a little bit about it. What was the story about? What, what we ended up looking at was how little investment Chile has placed in science and technology and in the role of funding basic research, funding science, and then taking that science from bench into, say, uh, entrepreneurial activities and into designing companies around scientific research, and that could be across various fields. But maybe the best way to start it is the way the piece started, which was to look at how Chile was selling it, in which fields of science Chile was excelling, and in which fields it was lacking. And so I think the clearest view I've ever had of the Milky Way was in southern Chile on the island of Chiloé looking up and not having any light obstructing my view of the Milky Way band. That's what made Chile kind of the prize of astronomers around the world and what's drawn them to use its crystal clear night skies to observe the cosmos. And that's where the vast majority of Chile's scientific output has been in astronomy and um, astrophysics. And so that's what a lot of scientists around the world recognize Chile for and have invested uh, in Chile's facilities. But that's left a lot of scientists underwhelmed and, and a bit angry because what they've asked for for years is a lot more investment in basic research in other fields, right? In medical research, in biology. There's, there's a lot of science going on. There are many universities in Chile with scant resources to be doing work that they hope can attract the attention that astronomy has. What's it like to live and work in Chile as a scientist? Primary complaints you'll hear is uh, a lack of resources, shortage of reagents, long timelines for getting equipment shipped to you. And so that kind of, as you can imagine, puts a kind of damper on the amount of research and the speed with which you can do that. 
that's not to say that there isn't some amazing work going on, right? You have scientists heading up to look at extremophiles in the Andes, uh, looking at you know bacteria we've we've never seen before, doing things that potentially groundbreaking in terms of their applications, right? One example might be antibiotics. Another example might be say diffusing spent uh, munitions, right? So bacteria that can kind of eat away bombs. These are the kinds of, uh, and not to mention uh, forestry research, oceanography, the marine sciences, right? Uh, climate research, El Nino and La Nina. There's all that kind of stuff going on, but obviously hasn't reached the productivity that astronomy has gotten. And that's because of outside investment, right? Which is what this piece really is about. What is Chile doing to attract foreign investment? And what can it do to ensure that that means supporting its own science and its local talent? Fantastic. Thank you very much. If you want to find out more, then you can have a look at Alessio's piece, Chile's Chance to Embrace Science for the 21st Century at nature.com. Now, we will still be doing our Ask the Expert question. So if you do have a question about your career in science, then please do send your questions in to us to the Nature Jobs Editor at nature.com. And we will do our very best to find an appropriate expert to answer it for you on the podcast. In the meantime, we've got a little teaser for you for our next month's podcast. We are speaking to a good friend of Nature Jobs, Peter Fisk, about his career transition from industry back to academia. People in research work so hard. Oh my God, they work all the time. And and I, I, you know, when I was a young scientist at Lawrence Livermore Lab, yeah, I worked six days a week pretty regularly. Uh, but it's it seems like the intensity has increased since I've been gone. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.